Hello and welcome to the Alpha Weibchen podcast. This is for people who want more out of life. If you're interested in experience that helps you empower yourself and enhance your life and the world around you, this is the show for you. I'm Peggy and I'm Jamie and, and we're, we're Alpha Weibchen. Hi, great that you're back with us today. I'm Peggy and I'm Jamie and today we're going to be talking about facing fear. Just recently, I read something about that 84% of people hold on to irrational fear and that 66% of those people are women. Why are we scared of things when there is no real reason? And worse yet, why do we let these fears hold us back? On this episode, we're addressing those questions. We'll share a story about facing and conquering fear. And then we'll show, give you some information and tips on how to deal with it constructively. So, Jamie, you're afraid of heights, but you also climb mountains and go rock climbing. And I'm always asking myself, why would you do those things? It's a good question, Peggy. And as a matter of fact, I'm asking myself that question all the time, usually about halfway through a climb. When I reflect on it, it goes back to the words of Nelson Mandela. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. And I think ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be brave. And maybe, maybe because I was so afraid of so many different things, my goal was always to figure out how to deal with that and get over it so that one day I would be brave. Well, to me, you're very, very brave. So, but can you give us an, a living example on how, how you're dealing with that fear? Okay, yeah, I think, I think the best example is the time that I ventured off to Papua to climb the most exotic of the seven summits. And we're talking about a part of the world that is one of the most remote places on the planet. And so very difficult to get to. It took us three days of travel time just to get to where the expedition started. And this is an area where there are no roads to get there. And so you have to fly in to this little dirt runway and land in the middle of the jungle. And then, uh, you know, it's an environment with very little infrastructure. There's basically no medical facilities to speak of. There's a school that sometimes has a volunteer teacher so that it can operate, but usually not. It's populated, oh <laughs> exactly. It's populated by, you know, tribal locals and everybody is a part of a tribe and you know dark-skinned flat-footed people who are barefoot most of the time and you know kind of vacillate between curiosity and suspicion of outsiders especially white people oh and then imagine you as this uh, little blonde white person right so oh i stood out like a sore thumb even. and yeah. so everywhere i went i had people staring at me um, you know, and, and people who, who very often looked unfriendly on the surface, sometimes wearing only a penis gourd. Oh my goodness. It's seriously, seriously, this is still the dress code in some of the tribes. And, you know, and brandishing these life-sized, huge, giant bows and arrows. And so it, it was a scary environment to be in. Um, and then you combine that with the expedition itself. And the expedition required 10 days of trekking through the most inhospitable inhospitable jungle you can imagine and so you know in the in the jungle it's populated by warring tribes and you never know if you're going to get in the middle of a tribal war oh and i remember you said you were even alone weren't you 
So I, I was alone. I was with an Indonesian guide, and we yeah. hired porters from one of the tribes. But there was no one else with you climbing? No. There were no other no. people, mountaineers? So you were the only mountaineer with all these Exactly, locals. exactly. Oh, wow. and, and that causes a, a certain amount of stress in and of itself, right? And then you have the fact that you've got poisonous creatures living in the jungle. Um, some of these tribes still practice cannibalism, and so that's something kind of in the back wait, of wait, your... Wait. What do they do? So it's not popular to talk about, but in some mm. cases they still practice cannibalism, you oh, know, in specific instances and circumstances. Oh and so, you know, not oh. really something I was worried about, but you know it. Right. And so it, it, eats, mm. it eats away in the back of your mind. And then, you know, once you finally get through this horrific jungle trek, mm. you're still only at the base of the mountain. And then you have to scale a 650 meter vertical wall to get to the top and then navigate a one kilometer knife edge ridge, which drops away on both sides, including a 15 meter three wire footbridge to get across one chasm. And, you know, I'm afraid of heights. I just can't imagine. I mean, this is terrifying. Even when I listen to you and I'm picturing where you were, I think that's that's so scary and it was the whole thing was scary and I think you know I still wanted to do it despite the fact that it was so terrifying in so many different ways and I wanted to do it because it was such a huge personal goal I, I had set a goal to myself a number of years ago that I wanted to climb at least half of the seven summits and this would have been number four oh, okay so this would have yeah. gotten me you know forward in, in, in achieving that goal and I recognized through all of my activities that my fear of heights is getting worse with age. And that's very common. These, mm -hmm. these fears of vulnerability tend to increase with age. And so I decided that I need to tackle it now because if I keep putting it off and keep avoiding it, it's just going to get worse and more difficult to deal with. And so even though you've climbed already those other three mountains, that, that still increased that, that fear? Well, and none of them were as exposed as this one. Okay. They weren't technical mm -hmm. climbs, and this is a true technical climb with, okay. with a high level of exposure. You know, and then on top of that, is it was the chance to get into this exclusive club. This is a mountain that probably 1,000 or 1,500 people have ever stood on top of. Oh, wow. And yeah. so it's pretty significant to be able to say, hey, I, I'm one of those. That sounds like a really exciting goal. <laughs> exactly. And, and this is why, you know, despite I had all these struggles with it, it was something that was very, very motivational for me to go out and try to do this. And here's the thing. What the experience taught me is a tremendous amount about how adaptable and resilient we as human beings are. Um, that fears really can be overcome and even marginalized when put into perspective with other things. And, and finally, that I can count on an underlying strength that frankly, I didn't even know I had. So can you, can you share how, how did you actually, how were you able to overcome? Yeah, I can. And let me try to put you in the position, first of all, of where I was. And, and reflecting back, thinking about it, one of the most poignant memories that I have of the expedition was actually just leaving my home. And so as we drove away from the house, I remember we got about 20 meters. My husband was driving me to the airport and I shouted, stop, go back. And so he reversed back into the driveway. And when I didn't get out of the car, he said, you know, what's going on? Did you and forget something? And you didn't forget to, you know, turn off the coffee machine, right? No, I didn't forget <laughs> anything. I, and I'll, I'll never forget. I looked at him and the tears sprang to, to my eyes. And I said, I just want to look at our home one more time in case I don't come back to see it again. Wow. 
Wow, that's really amazing. And this, and this is the level of fear of this yeah. whole undertaking that I had. Um, so fast forward, you know, that's how mm -hmm. it started. You know, and then eight days later, we finally made it into the base camp. And I remember how I felt in that moment. As we came into base camp, I was doing a recording for my, you know, for my YouTube, mm -hmm. and I was crying on the recording. And then I crumpled down, and I'm just this crumpled ball sitting on top of a rock, completely drenched through from the rain and the, the conditions, freezing cold, unable to, to eat, sick to my stomach, dizzy feeling. Um, and I, I'm covered in mud, pretty much head to, head to foot. I have a bit of, speaking of feet, had a bit of a trench foot condition because oh the entire trek is oh done in rubber boots, so your feet never really dry mm -hmm. out. Um, and, and I smell. I mean, I stink to the high heavens. I smell like sweat and mildew and decay. Oh, God. And at that moment, I'm sitting on this rock, and I just disintegrate into tears, you know, and, and I'm, I'm sobbing out of exhaustion, anxiety, and, and fr quite frankly, dis despair. Yeah, sure. You know, I've, I've been through this, these horrible conditions, blundering up and down in possibly steep grades, through the mud, trekking through knee-deep mud, um, plodding through swampland, um, torrential rains every day. And, you know, we came face to face with an enemy tribe once, complete with war paint on their faces oh. and brandishing giant bows and arrows, you know, pointing in our, in our direction at one mm -hmm. point. And so, you know, all of this mental and physical exhaustion, and it came together to the point that I remember sitting there and, and as you mentioned before, I'm alone. You know, did that ever, did, did you ever think, okay, I'm not going to make this, I'm, not, I'm just going to give exactly, up? Exactly in that moment. I oh. remember thinking, I've got my satellite communication device, do I send an emergency message to get an el a helicopter over <laughs> here? Out of here. <laughs> I mean, do I call for an emergency evacuation? Yeah. And at that moment, I seriously considered that. And I even started calculating, what's this going to cost me if I end up doing that? So was it in, in, in that moment when you think of, okay, I cannot handle this anymore, I want to give up, but yet still you have this goal that you said before, right? So you're, you must be torn apart inside because one thing is, oh my God, I'm so scared or I'm so, you know, tired and broken. worn out, broken, broken. Yeah. and on the other hand, I, I've met it so far. I mean, you've gotten pretty far through all of that. Hmm. And how, how did that feel? Well, and, and I think that's one of the things that got me through is we're sitting there at the base of this mountain, and on the one hand, I'm looking up saying, oh, fuck, how do I get to the top of that? But on the other hand, I'm looking up saying, this is what I've come so far to see. Yeah, and to this get is to. where you wanted to go, right? And exactly. And so, you know, time went on. I eventually stopped sobbing. We managed to get the tent erected and put up. All of the porters left because they, they refused to sleep in this valley of ghosts, as they call it. What? Wait, wait, wait. wait. So the, the porters left? The porters all left. So it was only the guide and I there. Oh. Because this, this, at the base of the mountain, it's considered a sacred valley. And they think that it is roamed by ghosts. So it's not just us crazy city people that we have irrational fears. So no, absolutely. That all over the world. No, good point. And you know, and yeah, oh, wow. and I think that's the thing is everybody suffers some from some kind of fear. And my fear is of heights and maybe of spiders and snakes. Their fear 
they don't have a problem with the spiders and snakes in the jungle, but they're not going to stay in this valley because of ghosts. Yeah, and that kind of makes you kind of feel good, though, that everyone has fears, right? <laughs> exactly, oh, wow. exactly, which is why we're talking about it today, to give some tips about we all suffer from it, how do we move forward anyway in the face so of that. So they, they just decided to run away, but you were there, you stayed. <laughs> well, and, and we crawled into our tent and into our warm sleeping bags and started drinking hot ramen soup, and so warming up and feeling a little bit better about life in general, swapped some stories and then we started going through the motions so we started assembling our equipment talking about the weather discussing my fear of heights and how we were going to deal with that mm -hmm. when we get up to the top so of the mountain. So he, he did talk to you about that? So uh, yeah he... a little bit I mean his English was not great but I needed him to be aware that this was going to going to be a challenge. Oh yeah because he had to you know yeah had to actually sure. handle that and know yeah. what's yeah, yeah. And, and so and in any case then at a certain point he says okay I think we should head out at 4 a.m. And I said, well, what, you know, why not a day rest first to recover yeah, and feel better? Tired, right? and, and we talked about it. And in the end, I said, okay, you know, you're the expert and I'm going to rely on your expertise. If you say we need to go tomorrow at 4 a.m., let's go tomorrow at 4 p.m., at 4 a.m. That was another brave decision. So even though you didn't maybe feel that well, you said, okay, he's the expert. And so you go with his advice. Well, and isn't that part of being an alpha fibian to know that oh. you don't know it all? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so anyway, and he, he was right, Peggy. Twelve hours later, I was standing at the summit and, you know, again in tears. I seem to be on the brink of tears all the time. <laughs> so again in tears, but this time tears of elation. Right? I mean, I've gone through all of these hardships and I've battled these fears and these, these difficult situations, but here I am. And you made it. Exactly. And I'm now, you know, I, I get to stand up oh. there and, and feel this, this feeling of triumph. And this rewarding feeling. Yeah. But of course now there was, there was a little time between you from the first time you were upset and you had to, you know, decide that you're going to go. And then when you tell me that you were so excited, but... Please tell me, how did you make it in 4,800 meters up and it's 15 meters long? How, how did you actually actually pass that? Because I did watch some videos also and it was like, oh my God, how? When you stand there, right? So, mm -hmm. and, and you're looking down and I'm not a mountaineer, but it just imagine still, even if you are, it's so scary. How do you do that first step. How, how does that work? How did you do it? So the first step was easy because as long as you're going up, you have the rock in front of you and you don't realize how much space you have behind you. Okay. But it's when you get to the top and suddenly you're standing and have to walk along the ridge that you're suddenly fully exposed. And, and I have to admit there was one moment where I had a panic attack. Right, where I was in a, a, a dicey situation between rock one and rock two, and I was halfway between, and I couldn't quite make that last step over. Oh my um, god! And so that was a really scary situation. We can we can come back to that. By and large, though, I was surprised at how easy it was. I mean, I have I'd been preparing for probably a year for this climb. And I think because of all the preparation and because of all the experiences I had just gone through in the jungle. It put my fear of heights into perspective that at least up there I was standing on rock and okay. I'm used to working with rock. Right. And so I felt more comfortable even being exposed to the heights than in this unknown territory of the jungle. Of course. But so then, okay, then you said you have this panic attack in the middle and then, and so what do you do then? I mean, this is like kind of, of course, not as dangerous, but it's like you're on stage and you want to start the speech and then your brain is empty. 
Well, then it's you need to teach yourself how to calm down quickly when the fear response kicks in. And and I think and this is why, you know, my story about Karsten's pyramid, not everybody's going to go and climb a mountain like this. And and they don't have to, but every one of us suffers from some kind of fear and some kind of a blockage and, you know, just like every one of us has their own angst and anxieties you know, in our day-to-day -day lives, it's always a challenge to confront them, whether it's a mountain or asking your boss for a raise. Exactly. Whether for, for one person, that's a mountain. <laughs> and Or giving a presentation, as you said yeah. before. And, and this is where, you know, the, the climb was so much easier for me in the aftermath of the jungle. And really, somebody who has to give a presentation, that's going to be easier the more that they do it and the more that they get used to it and the more that they expose themselves to those scary things. You know, and addressing and facing these fears, it also equips us to deal with the challenges that lie ahead, that we don't even know what they are yet. So you're saying that the more you face your fears and doing, like you said that before, the desensitizing, and so the more you get yourself exposed to that, that that's helps you to overcome? Absolutely. It's one of the key tactics that people use to deal with fear in a constructive way. Um, But it really starts much sooner than that. It starts with understanding what is fear, where does it come from? Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. What, what? I ask myself, what is it? What is it that all of a sudden your body does these strange things, right? So you're, like, you have your the heart rate or get sweaty hands. What is that? Well, I, I, exactly. We've all felt it, and as soon as somebody thinks about a scary situation, their body starts reacting just because of the thought. And it goes all the way back to the early humans where everything about our lives was tuned to survival, including our brains. Our brains were designed to help us survive. And back in the days of the cavemen, I mean, they might, they might have had to run away from lions every day. We don't. Yeah. The reality is, is that our brain has not evolved as fast as our lifestyles have. And so when we're confronted with something that causes fear to us today, they react the same way as if we were faced with a lion mm -hmm. coming yeah. after us. And so there, there's a little portion of the brain called the amygdala, and many people have heard about this. It's become kind of a trendy top, topic. And it's a little almond-shaped device sitting in the center of your brain, and it's highly connected to other parts of your brain. And what happens is when you're faced with something that scares you, your amygdala starts firing off warning signals. It recognizes a potential danger or threat, and it mobilizes everything within your body and your brain for this fight or flight reaction. Where I always have the feeling when I'm really scared, my brain doesn't function anymore. And you're right to a certain degree, because what's functioning is your limbic system and your emotional response and the amygdala, because it's working so hard with all of the responses it's firing off, it's hijacking resources from your rational brain. And so the thinking part of your brain, which you know is responsible for logical thinking, rational, yeah. creative, it's not working very well anymore, because all the resources are being used elsewhere. And so the amygdala is sending all of these, these signals and it's releasing all kinds of neurochemicals and hormones like cortisol, which will cause your blood pressure to rise, increase the blood glucose level, um, turn fatty acids into energy so that you're ready to either fight physically or to run away from whatever's causing danger. Right, um, yeah. it, it, and then it'll, it'll initialize a release of all kinds of catecholamines, which we think of in terms of adrenaline. Mm -hmm. and, and we know that adrenaline rush that fear gives us. Oh, and yeah. that's, that's where you get that racing heart, right? It increases your heart rate, it'll increase your breathing rate, 
and it'll also also reduce other things. And so things like your gastrointestinal system, your stomach, your intestines, it's going to shut those down for a certain while yeah, because, because they're you, not critical. Of course, if you have to run and you have to go to the restroom, <laughs> it wouldn't be so practical. Exactly, exactly. And it'll reduce, it'll reduce the production of tears and saliva, which is why very often when people are afraid, they get that dry, cottony mouth. Right? And I feel this when I'm climbing very often. I know that I'm on the brink of a panic because suddenly my mouth will go dry. And that's my fear response kicking in. Right? And so this is the biology behind it. Now that's very nice to understand the biology, but how the hell are you going to get over it? And that's where the thinking brain, which at the moment is not working because you're in the midst of this this response, it's a very critical component Mm -hmm. because you need the thinking brain. And what happens is that it's really the prefrontal cortex and the um, hippocampus that work together to assess the threat. And so they work together to really read the context of the situation and make a decision about is this a real threat or a perceived threat. So am I going to die or not? Exactly. And once they decide you're not really going to die here, then they do the opposite of what the amygdala was doing. They release a completely different set of neurotransmitters and chemicals and they bring your body back into a normal state. And we experience this as a huge cognitive relief. And so we feel good. Yeah. Right. We've had this rush of adrenaline and now everything's okay. Mm -hmm. And and this is why people are drawn to fear. That's why people, you know, ride roller coasters and watch scary movies because you get that adrenaline and then you get the I'm okay feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And fear's not all bad. I mean, we do need it in survival situations. Yeah, of course, certainly we do. Um, But then the thing is like if, like you said that before, when we have that, when, when we calm down, so then we start using our brain again and so that we are more alert than we were before, weren't we? Absolutely. And this is one thing that fear can do is it will make your brain hyper alert. Suddenly mm-hmm. you, might, you might pick up on things or you might just be able to react faster than you otherwise would. So fear can also help you then in that moment to kind of outperform, which is, I guess, coming exactly. back to your experience hanging in the middle of between two rocks. So how, yeah. what did you do to make that next step? So to make that next step, I used kind of in a three-step process what I call learn to quickly calm down. And the learn <laughs> to quickly... nice. <laughs> and it's very straightforward. I mean, for me, what works best is, is a deep breathing mechanism. Exercise. Exercise. Exactly. Really. Mm-hmm. And so when I feel that panic taking control, I need to make sure that I don't let it take control, that I get my thinking brain back in charge of what's going on. And so I'll do that by doing three really deep breaths. And so, and I'll count to, you know, five or seven on the intake of breath and the same on the outtake. And I'll do it three times. And that calms my system down enough that I can start to rationalize again. So does that, would that like help me? Absolutely. Like I'm scared of, it's kind of a silly, irrational fear, but I'm scared like walking home at night. Mm-hmm. So if I would use that breathing technique that you're just telling me, or if I would be on stage and like I forget my text that I wanted to say, would that help in, in many different situations? It'll help in most situations, exactly. And okay. so, and, and it's one, it, exactly giving presentations. When I coach my son on presenting, I say, you know, just take a deep breath before you go out there. Mm-hmm. And so when, when you feel it, the, the fear rising, when you feel the nerves set in, trying to stop them before they, they overpower you. And then, like you said, then you calm down and then your brain starts working again and then you can go and exactly. do that next necessary step. Yeah, that's it. Okay. And then, you know, and then there are things that you can do to prepare for those situations in advance. 
And so, you know, my favorite one is it's a simple as facing fear. And we call this exposure therapy. And so by, by through exposure therapy, the idea is, is that you force yourself to gradually and repeatedly do exactly that thing that scares you or come in contact with that thing, but doing that in a safe setting. And so I'll give you an example with my fear of heights. When I was preparing for Karsten's Pyramid, I started out by looking a lot at a lot of photos. And so on Instagram and online, actively looking at photos of people standing on precipices, you know, on the, on the top of cliffs or on mountains or on the top of skyscrapers. Yeah, and you know, I really understand because I'm also afraid of heights when I don't climb, but if I watch the, such pictures, I can actually have that, I do have that very same feeling. So if I see someone standing at a cliff, then I, I have this, my heart starts racing. And if I'm not even there, it's just looking at a picture that's... Yeah, or you feel it in the pit of your stomach. Yeah. 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 So and, and, and Incredible. But it's easy to overcome that fear, right? Because you're looking at the picture. Yeah. You start feeling that fear response. I always feel it in my stomach first. And then you can say, yeah, okay, it's a picture. Mm -hmm. And so you get, you, you get your thinking brain in charge, the executive function taking charge much faster. Well, and that person is not falling, right? Yeah, they usually, they look very happy when they're standing <laughs> true, there. Very just true, like, very These very motivational <laughs> pictures. And, and then the idea is to, to continue to increase the stakes, so to speak. And so then I would graduate from that to watching videos, videos of people climbing. And in fact, even videos of people falling. Because guess what? Most of the time people are okay. I mean, you're anyway, you're lined up. I mean, you're not doing this like a free no, climber. No, no, it wasn't free just, solo. Yeah. And so, exactly. And that's why even, you know, when you're secured, even when you fall, you might be banged up, but you're okay. Yeah. And so then I would watch videos of people climbing and or, or mountain bikers going down really steep terrain, things like that. And then I would put myself personally in the situation. And I might start with standing on top of a stone wall, you know, in, in a landscaped area. Mm -hmm. And then maybe on a sixth floor balcony, going to the very edge of the balcony. Oh. <laughs> and then start yeah. hiking on small trails that are more exposed. And then forcing myself to go to the edge of canyons and look down. When I'm climbing, forcing myself from the top of a pitch to look down. And then, you know, from there, move on to multi-pitch climbing. So that I would have to get a couple of hundred meters up and look down. And so you just keep stepping it up, so to speak. So that's that desensitizing that you were talking about. Right? Exactly. Because you get used to it and your amygdala probably realizes, okay, that's not danger anymore. Well, and, and more than that, I think even is that your rational brain learns to take over faster. Okay. Right? Because you still fear the, feel the response, but because you've exposed yourself, the response is less and the rest of your brain knows how to compensate for that more. Oh, that sounds. Okay. That sounds. Um, I, I I totally understand what you're talking about now. I mean, it makes it makes a lot of sense, and mm -hmm. I think it does take a lot of um, exercising, though. I mean, it's not something that comes overnight. I'm sure. No, no, <laughs> for sure not. It's it's work, but you can overcome. You can, and then when you're in that situation, remembering how to calm down quickly and enable your thinking brain to take control again, and and once that does happen then actively challenge those negative thoughts that you're having. And this is where I, I look at it as, as self-coaching. You know, when I'm in that situation, mm -hmm. I do my deep breathing, I calm down, and then I tell myself, you know, Jamie, you felt like this before and you were okay. Or you've done things like this before and you've never gotten hurt. Um, it could be even as easy as, think how good it's going to feel when I overcome this. Yeah, that, that makes total sense and um, it, I can really relate to it a lot when I think of my fear of walking home 
alone in the dark. And um, and thinking of what you're just saying, I will actually do that tonight. <laughs> I think I'm going to do this breathing exercise. And I may be even talking to myself and telling myself, hey, you're fine, you're okay, you can do this. And then when I get home, I'm just going to be very happy that I did it, right? Because not doing it does make it not doesn't make it better, it makes it actually worse. It does. The more you avoid it, the worse that it becomes because you're training your amygdala that it is something to be afraid of. And you know, the self-coaching, I even do that out loud sometimes, which, you know, other people might find a little bit weird, but it makes it more forceful for me to actually listen to. Yeah, and it's all about, I mean, the fears do um constrain your life right so and you don't want to be constrained so if if um if it's irrational and if you say nothing ever anything happened to you and you you never fell or i was never you know nothing happened to me i wasn't run over by a car or anything in the dark so it's needless and so if we can overcome because it's both mentally and physiologically physio can you help me with that physiologically thank you (laughs) exhausting right it is so um so let's 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 wrap up. So this is what we here's what we had today. So we learned that fear is natural. It's a biological response that everyone feels. Like you said, those those porters that were afraid of ghosts or mm-hmm. you know someone is afraid of going up on stage and and of course it's important to have this response because we do have survival situations and then and then we need that. But the rest of the time, which actually is probably most of the time. We want to control that response and we can learn to face and to conquer fear through techniques like you were explaining, like the desensitizing or like the, the breathing. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of things that we can do to overcome. And in the end, what, is it, what does it end up? It's empowerment, right? And, yes. and this is what we're talking here in our episodes is, is this self-empowerment and that you can live the life that you want to live without those fears when they when you don't need to have them so um and that's all about being an alpha vibration right is you like you, you put the power to work and go beyond your limitations absolutely because why let something hold you back when you can learn to conquer it and do more exactly if you like this episode give us a like and a follow and we'd love to hear from you in the comments You'll find Alpha Vibe on Instagram and Facebook and can get in touch with us there too. Thanks and get out there and crush it. <laughs>